give me the placid dawn with plenty of tailing fish and the perfect fly rod yeah. and get ready for some magic. Awesome Join Bonefish and Tarpon Trust. Nice fish. And help make sure that the magic never ends. Visit tarbone.org to find out how you can help. buttons tonight folks it's monday night here at the monday night kickoff show i'm your host charles levi also known as redfish chuck joining me as always my illustrious co-host mr peppy vidal what's up brother what's up what's up man a little tired but i'm good man i hear you, started, I hear you. Uh, yeah man i started my uh new diet regimen and and working out and that worked out that I just today sort of kicked my butt and i could barely even walk <laughs> we're good man I'm, I'm about to do the same thing myself i saw that you started off with the uh with a little bit of the uh what is it the, the meal replacement shakes yep the shakeology yep started doing shakeology that. meal replacement shakes yep that's cool yeah, and then i that's started cool. doing the, the workout regimen that i'm doing is every day i'm doing the t25 it's called t25 by shanti Right, and it's twenty five minutes, but it's twenty five minutes and nonstop. You don't rest for twenty five minutes. I mean, you it, it kicks your butt, man. <laughs> yeah, cool. well, I think it's time for me to do something like that too, brother. Because today I was going to wear some shoes, and I couldn't even see my laces to tie them. Oh, yeah. So, no, I'm kidding. I'm not make, quite that bad, but I slipped on the flip flops, and I thought to myself, you know, it would be nice to lose some damn weight, so. Yeah, yeah, my wife today, she pulled out, um, she actually pulled out pictures of myself about about 10, I would say about 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. 10, 11 years ago. And when you look at those pictures, you you, you cannot even believe. I mean, you sit there, I showed my neighbors and asked my neighbors, do you see, do you recognize these people? And they're looking at pictures, they're looking at it, I go, who's this? They didn't even think it was me. And and it was one of those things. It was it was crazy because you look at the pictures, and it's one of those pictures that I had back then. Back then, I was six percent body fat or something like that, weighing one hundred and seventy five pounds. So it's like it's like, and you know, and right now I'm at two two thirty five. You know, so it's like, so it's like, Kenny, and it's ridiculous. You look at it like, my gosh, I want to get back down there again. I know I won't get back down there, but at least I could, you know, get down under two hundred. <laughs> 
<clears throat> yeah, man. So, I was in the, I was in an outback today, and I was like hitting myself in the chest with my knees because I well not my chest but my belly with my knees, man. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. Oh, well, man. I played that music at the top of the hour because, as most people who follow the O Search um, research vessel and the global shark tracker, in which is powered by Cat. Uh, you may or may not know that we have at least two great white sharks off our coast here in Bavard County right now. One was spotted, as most of you probably saw on the uh, on the news channel and all over social media, the divers um, video of his encounter, which I'm going to tell you right now, that guy showed a lot of restraint, dude, because I just shot that thing in the eyeball about the fifth time it oh. circled me. Did you watch that? <laughs> Did you watch that video? I haven't, I haven't seen the video. I saw the one that's in by Sebastian Inlet is the one I saw. Dude, this guy was out, and he was diving out of Sebastian. He was, like, out on a reef somewhere. And uh, he was down there with his, with his uh, spear gun getting ready to, you know, do work. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this great white swims right over the top of him. And then he, like, hunkers down next to a, uh, a ledge where the shark just continues to like circle him and it, it's getting closer and closer every time oh it, circles, it gets a little bit closer it got close enough for him to be able to reach out and poke it with a spear gun and uh there's no doubt it was a great white in this video it's not the, i don't i'm 99 sure it's not the same fish as uh is i think it's catherine isn't that the one that's named that's down there by sebastian yeah. now because I didn't see yep. any satellite tags yep. in this fish that was on his video. And she hadn't made it down there yet. I think today is when she officially got down to Sebastian. And from the looks of it, it looks like she's sitting in the inlet. I know. She might be going in the inlet. I wouldn't doubt it. Dude, I mean, yeah, I'm, I looking right now at the, yeah, I'm looking right now at the latest update. And she is as close to the beach as she's been. And... It, it's weird. Her track, she went down off of the cape, kind of hung outside the cape. Looks like she just went outside around the shoals and then headed almost almost like southeast. And then once she got down by Sebastian, she made a, a hook west right for the inlet. So Yeah, yes, she, she just uh, turned right in. <laughs> yeah, so pretty interesting stuff. Um, yeah, I don't really want to run into a great white shark when I'm out in the kayak. We could deal with it in a boat because, I mean, that would be cool to see it. But uh, I, I don't want to be thinking about fishing down around Sebastian on a flat and seeing, like, a five-foot-tall dorsal fin coming at me yeah. <laughs> with that music playing in my head. But anyhow, little, little, that's pretty neat, though, that we're, we have uh, those sharks right here off our coast. It's not something that's new. Um, they've been roaming up and down our coastlines for a millennia, I mean, forever. Um they usually follow the right whale migration, which typically is a little bit, you know, we're a little bit ahead of that. But, yeah, whatever. They're sharks. They can swim. They got gills. They can go wherever the heck they want. So, um, but it's pretty neat. Pretty cool little fun fact there for anybody joining us tonight. So, tonight, we're going to talk about a couple of different things. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about, let's see. We'll talk a little bit about the um, Jacksonville Classic that you went up there and fished, Pep. 
And then, and yep. congratulations to our boy there in the chat room, Mr. Andrew Mixon, um, laying it down with a, with a doormat and uh, some nice fish to take the the slam prize home. And then also to take home the family cup, which gives him and Micah the opportunity to go to Costa Rica, right? That's right. He was, he actually, when, because I was sitting at the same table with him and when he won the prizes and stuff, he was actually more static and more happy about winning that family cup than he was winning the whole the slam. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, he was a still be awesome. I think he'll probably call in. Yeah. It's a great accomplishment. I mean, it's, it's one of those, how many people were in the tournament, Pat? Were there about close to 500? Uh, close to, I imagine, close to, close to 400, I think, somewhere around there. I'm really not sure what the numbers were. Um, but yeah, it was full packed, packed, packed house like last year, you know. So it was up there, and fishing was tough this year, though. It's not like you know last year the bad weather and all the stuff and everything. You would think it would be uh, uh, worse, worse. You know the fishing would be worse last year, but no, right. this year you know we had better weather and stuff like that. But the water was real dirty, everything like that. The fish just were not biting this year. I mean, it was it was tough fishing. It was really tough fishing. You could tell by the size of the fish caught. If you look at the size of the fishes and stuff, you could you could tell you could see that. Um, you know, they, it was tough fishing. It yeah. Was tough. Well, I mean, there wasn't very many guys. What was the? Uh, let's see. Give me two seconds. I seen Andrew just called in, so we're gonna go to Andrew here in just a second. Let me see what. Uh, oops, I just bypassed it. Here's the results. We had you guys had 14 slams checked in, 42 redfish checked in, 27 flounder checked in, 31 trout checked in. So yeah, yep. I would say I would say so that the, about the fishing was kind of tough yeah. for sure. Yep, and and you're talking bait. You know what I'm saying? It's a bait tournament too, and it was still that way. You know what I'm saying? I didn't turn in my fish. I caught a I caught a redfish, but I know it wasn't in it, so. I didn't turn in my fish. I caught a redfish in the trout, and then I lost my, which I get mad every time I think about it because I didn't tell you this, Chuck, or anything like that, but I lost um, both sides. I lost a 22 to 25-inch flounder, somewhere in between there. I lost him on the side of my boat with the net out, ready to net him. Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> and, the winning, and the winning flounder was a 19-incher. You know, of course, Andrew had the 25-point something, but he can't win the uh, biggest flounder and slam, so they spread the wealth. But, yeah, mine would have been somewhere up there, and I would have came home with a new kayak, but, oh, well, that's fishing. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, I mean, it was uh, – looks like it was a pretty good event, though. I mean, it looks like everybody had a good time, judging from the pictures and everything else I saw. It was pretty awesome. Um, it says that they raised $34,000 for charities. Um, that's pretty awesome. Well, here he is. 418 anglers were registered. 395 anglers actually fished it. 395. And then, uh, let's give some credit here real quick. Uh, of course, as we just said, first place, the slam was, uh, our boy Drew Mixon with the 21 and uh, a 21.3 inch redfish. He had a 27.2 inch trout, which for up there is a big trout. Um, oh, yeah. And a twenty-five, a twenty-five point uh, three inch flounder, giving him a net total of seventy-three point eight inches of fish. And it, Pretty and damn it, awesome. And you know it didn't there. finish there, right? What's that? 
Huh? You know it didn't finish there, right? What? You know he caught. You know he caught another species. What? Huh. He caught up there. He'll talk about. It. He caught a thirty-inch snook up there. <laughs> Get <laughs> out of here! That? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Crazy. He Crazy. Caught, well, let's let's he, give a. Yep. Let's give a couple more rundowns real quick before we get more into that. Uh, so we got second place in that slam was Jason Nesbitt. Third place was Justin uh, Renreth. I probably just destroyed that last name. Sorry about that, Justin. Um, fourth place, Jesse Gore. Fifth place, Charlie. You know, that's cool. And uh, yep. sixth place, Dan Arvin. Seventh place, Blake Belts. Eighth place was Ryan Hall. Ninth place, Mike Eady. And the 10th place was Miguel Pendich. Let's see, we got red pl- in Redfish, I guess DJ uh, Cabler set a new record for uh, total length for Redfish, which was 42.1 inches. Um, yep. That's pretty pretty awesome. Congratulations to him. Micah, uh, as a, as a, mem- as a uh, newly found adult, angler right because he, he's he's now an adult he doesn't fish the junior uh, oh, yeah. division anymore he found himself in 10th place which is what i guess ended up getting those guys the uh, family cup 10th place in redfish with a 28 and point uh 28 and three quarter inch redfish excuse me uh big trout was alfie nazaro with a 24.75 inch trout which drew's trout was bigger but because he did the slam it yep. doesn't count and then uh, Flounder was Brianna. Wow. Sorry. Bellinghausen, right? 19.5-inch Flounder. Yep. Fly Angler, Jason Shaw. Lady Angler, Kathy. V- I don't, I'm going to butcher this one, too. B.A., mm. I guess. Yay. And then uh, Junior <laughs> Angler first place was Melee Swab. Second place junior was Jake Bates. Third place junior was John Goodwin. Senior angler, Dan Arvin. We just said it before, the uh, family cup goes to the Mixon family. And the best dang tackle box, which I'm sure was pretty crazy looking, uh, went to Christy Gore. So, sounds like a good time, man. It was definitely, after you guys all left and headed up that way, I I got kind of bummed. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Maybe I should have went. Yeah, but uh, that's cool. So we've got, as, as I said, we got Drew Mixon here on the phone. We got Alice Grichke on the phone. We got Pepe Lidal on the phone. We're gonna go straight over to uh, Mr. The Winner Winner Chicken Dinner, Mr. Uh, Andrew Uno Moss Mixon. What's up, brother? Hey guys, how's it going? Congratulations, brother. Up, yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yep. So, so you win the so you win the slam. You win the you and Micah win the family cup. And to to kind of top off your phenomenal day of fishing, you also in Jacksonville catch a thirty inch snook. Yeah, I, it's completely <laughs> insane. I had no idea they even had uh, snook up there. It was funny uh, at the captain's meeting we were kind of talking about it. So some guys said. Something about maybe going snook fishing on Sunday. I said, "Oh, you guys are going to drive south." They said, "No, no, there's snook here in Jacksonville." We kind of laughed and said, "I, I had no idea there was some snook here in, in Jacksonville." And 
we got on uh, on the smartphones and got to looking a little bit, and sure enough, we found some pictures of Snook in, in Jacksonville. We couldn't believe it. Uh, and then, lo and behold, um, the uh, the very next day, I catch a bruiser of a uh, of a Snook. Uh, it was it was really amazing. Um, uh, I, I started out the day. Um, I, my plan was to go flounder fishing. I, I was going to focus on flounder, but I talked to a couple of guys, uh, Kevin Kappel and, um, and Rory Gregg, and they said, no, no, you need to go look for a trout early. Go ahead and go look for a trout and then, you know, and then, and then try to go catch a flounder. So when I launched, I said, ah, what the heck, I, I, I'll, go, I'll go see if I can find a flounder. On about the fifth cast, I caught a, that 21-and-a-half-inch redfish, and I thought, wow, that's, you know, that's a heck of a start. That's, you know, that's great. And um, caught four four trout. Um, the biggest one was 21 and a half inches, which is still not a bad trout for the Jacksonville area. I was pretty pleased having both of those fish, and I hadn't even started, uh, you know, flounder fishing yet. Um, and I kept working right. this one little, you know, little marsh area, and uh, I was fishing with a um, unfair lures rip and slash, which is, you know, everybody knows has become one of my favorite uh, favorite lures. I absolutely just love the thing. And, man, it just got absolutely smashed. And I thought it was a big redfish. I thought, oh, God, I've got a big redfish here. It head, head comes out of the water. It starts shaking its mouth. And I thought, holy Christmas, you know, this is a 30-something-inch trout. This is amazing, you know, because the mouth was I – could, I could have stick my, you know, my, my fist in its mouth easily. I just – I was amazed. I thought it was a great trout. And then it jumped, and I thought, what in the world? And it jumped again and jumped again. And by now I can see the stripe. And I thought, my heavens, I can't believe we were just talking about snook the night before. And here I've got, a, you know, such a beautiful snook. Um, that snook jumped probably seven or eight times before I finally got it in the net. It was, it was just, uh, you know, it was the most energetic snook I've caught in a long, long time. But, uh, yeah, it ended up being 30 inches um, right on the button. Um, and I had all those fish before 9 o'clock. And, oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it was it was just it was an incredible couple hours of fishing. The tide started falling out um, of the little marsh that I was fishing, and then I you know I eased on out into the deep water. And um, as I told the guys there, you know, at the awards ceremony, I wish I could say that I caught that the big trout and the and, and the flounder on some kind of great artificial bait, but I, you know I switched to live mullet and I caught those two bigger fish on uh, you know on live mullet because that, that was my plan was to you know was to just try to catch a uh, you know a big um, you know, big flounder anyway. And I caught, I caught a 23 and change and that 27 inch trout and the flounder all in the same spot all while I was, you know, flounder fishing in about, I don't know, 18 or 20 feet of water, deeper water, um, closer to the, um, uh, closer to the port. So, and Micah just stuck with his plan. You know, he, he won uh top junior last year and first place redfish last year with uh, 35, 38 inches. I can't remember what the length was, but he had caught a really good redfish last year. He's got a little spot. He's got a technique, and it works. And he went straight to that place. Um, he caught that 28 and three quarters fairly early, and he said he lost a fish that was probably 35 inches. Um, and then the tide, you know, is just so strong it was ripping, and he wasn't able to fight the, um, you know, fight the water moving. And uh, he was off the water by about 11 o'clock. And uh, actually, I was off the water by noon. So we just. We, you know, Jacksonville is a very challenging place to fish with the tides moving back and forth. And we just had one of those days where, you know, all the stars aligned and everything came together. And we just, you know, we were just lucky enough to find, uh, you know, good fish. Well, uh, you know, anytime when there's a tournament going on and the Mixon family are in attendance, there's always a very good possibility that either you or Mike are going to end up finishing in the, in the top 
prize area or, you know, up there in that top 10 area somewhere. So uh, congratulations to you guys. And I know you've got to be pumped uh, having the opportunity now to go to Costa Rica. Oh yeah, that, that's that's just absolutely incredible. You know, we're 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 so excited to be able to go down there. We're going to get to spend an entire week um, down there at the um, uh, at the resort. Um, we're going to get to uh, do some fishing. They have uh, kayaks. There's uh, the river comes out right near there, so we're hoping we'll be able to do some kayak fishing and maybe catch some uh, you know snook or, or tarpon or whatever they've got you know there at the river mouth. But um, you're also doing some some of that Pacific offshore fishing as well. So. You know, we're really, really excited. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a great trip. I'm just I'm so thrilled about that. Yeah, it's good. That's stuff. gonna be an awesome trip. Absolutely. Cool. Well, yeah, what a freaking good couple of weeks for those that like to hang it out and around the Space Coast kayaking group. We got uh, you know, we go from Flores winning the IFA to you taking home the the, the top prize there at the Jacksonville deal and. You know, oh, I forgot to give a little shout out there to Chris too. Chris ended up taking sixth place, I think, in Flounder, which doesn't pay anything out, but still, you know, it's nice to be sitting in that top ten area. So Flora's got um, sixth place in Flounder, so kudos yeah. to him. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's cool. That's awesome, and, man. And he got to take home a new kayak too. <laughs> ah, that's right. And he won the Rochambeau. Uh, what did he win? He won the Native, uh, the yeah. Ultimate uh, FX15 Tandem. Right, the FX fifteen tandem. There you go. So, yep. that's cool. Yep. So the, in the last two events that any of our guys have been to, that they did Rochambeau, which was the last boondoggle up in the Panhandle, Wade won that boat. <laughs> and then uh, old Flores takes it home this time. That's cool. Yep. So, Alex, you there, buddy? Yes, sir, I am. So, this morning I woke up and I decided that I wanted to probably try and fish after dropping the kids off at school. Uh, I usually have about, you know, a little window of a few hours I can go before I can pick Trey up from uh, BPK. So, I'm getting ready to head on up there, take him to school, then run up to the shop, grab my boat, and go. And I remember I lent Chris Flores my seat from my PA using the PA he was using because uh, we had locked up the shop next door and forgot to get the seat out for him. So um, I didn't have a seat to sit on. I could have used the cooler, whatever. So I I decided to heck with it. I wanted to be comfortable and that wouldn't be comfortable sitting on a cooler all morning. So I uh, was on my way to just go and visit a a friend of mine who's got another local tackle shop. And uh, Shot a call to Alex to kind of chit-chat, and he's like, hey, you want to go fishing? I'm like, sure, let's go fishing. So uh, Alex was gracious enough to allow me to use one of his Outbacks uh, prior to his client showing up. We went out. We just kind of messed around, weren't really serious about nothing, and uh, saw some small tarpon rolling. Had had a bunch of mullet around us out on the flat, and it was just a good time to be spent on the on the water in the morning with a good friend. We had a good conversation. But, dude, it looks like you guys did pretty good with your client there after I left. Yeah, it ended up working out pretty well for us, even with the you know, the late start. I mean, shoot, you know, uh, as you know, my client didn't even didn't even show up to uh, Florida. 
he landed at uh, Orlando International Airport at 9.30 this morning. So uh, he had had a long night, and uh, we and I went out there and ended up pulling some uh, pulling some nice little black drum out and uh, a real nice solid upper slot, if not over. I didn't measure it. Uh, redfish. And um, did a little sight fishing, got snubbed on a few fish, and uh, the water was a little dirty where we were at. It was kind of tough to see them until they were a little close. And then uh, and uh, ended up trying to cap it off with a tarpon bite, and uh, they decided to refuse refuse our lovely offering today. But uh, that's how them tarpon. <laughs> yeah. So, it was, uh, good. It was we... a good good day on the water, nonetheless, uh, despite the windy windy conditions um, that apparently we're going to have for the next three weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. May May's one of those months where we either get really, really lucky and it's flat calm and everyone can run offshore and get on that dolphin bite offshore or fish the flats or whatever. But um, this not this month for us, huh? We've been ha- we've been pretty much hammered by the wind. Yeah, it's looking like it's going to fall on the other side of the category for May's for us this year. But uh, it's the way it is. It's kind of the way we sit. The way we sit in weather patterns down south, but not all the way south. And, uh, you know, it happens almost every year. We get this, this uh, springtime wind, man, springtime wind. But, but and that bodes well for our fishing, too. Um, you know, it, it's taking the water and levels in the lagoon. It's moving water around. You've got a lot of south to the wind, which brings the water into the lagoon. And, uh, and you have water level. You're moving around a lot, buddy. I'm, I lost you there for a second. Uh, yeah, uh, well, that's cool. So uh, let's see. Let's go around the horn real quick and just we'll, let's jump into the chat room and thank everybody for showing. We got Chris Brands there in the chat room. We've got a couple of guests signed up in there. We got Randy English, uh, Drew Mixon's in there, of course, and Peppy, uh, non pro staff Murdoch. If uh, any guests want to log in and chit chat there in the chat room, there's not a whole lot of chit chatting going on tonight, but. If uh, you guys want to log in, you can do so with either your Facebook account or your Twitter account. Um, feel free to just log on in and jump in there and, and fire away questions or, you know, just talk to each other. Chit to the chat. That's right. So uh, what was I going to say? We lost Alex. So um, guest call-in number, as always, is 714-816-4727, 714-816-4727. But looking forward to this week, let's see what's going down for our little panel of uh, experts here. I don't really have a whole lot going on this week except for work. Really, really excited. I must, I'm going to use this opportunity real quick to thank all of the customers that have shown up to my shop over the last couple of months. But really, the last few weeks have been on fire. And I'm really, really, really pleased with the way the shop's going and, uh, I want to make an announcement tonight that to, as of tomorrow, we will, we will have Skinny Water Culture Apparel in the shop. Um, it was supposed to be delivered today, but since we're closed on Mondays, we'll be getting it tomorrow. Uh, very excited about that, about bringing uh, those guys into the shop. Um, couldn't ask for a better group of people to do business with. And then also, too, the May the 30th of this month, which is a Friday, uh, Friday evening, we're going to have a... Uh, offshore fishing, offshore kayak fishing seminar at the shop 
free to attend. Just come on out and have a good time. You know, we'll have some hot hot dogs and stuff going on the grill. Um, Andrew Mixon's going to be a speaker. I'm going to help out with that a little bit as well. And uh, I'm just going to talk techniques and tactics and ways to improve your uh, chances of finding fish offshore from your kayak. So that'll be a good uh, opportunity for anybody listening in in the Central Florida area that's looking to get uh, in, you know, into doing the offshore stuff. So uh, I'm real excited about that and real excited to hear what Andrew's got to say. I'm sure it's going to be a, a good seminar for sure. Pappy, what do you got going on this week, man? You going to try and get out and do any fishing? I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, I looked at the long-term forecast, like Alex said, man. I looked at every single day, man. It looks like it's going to be windy for forever. It seems like so. It's you know, it's one of those things. It's it's hard to say. Um, if it stays windy, though, I'll probably go target tarpon this weekend. You yeah. know, yeah. I'll probably go to that to go to some of the areas that we know of that are you know you're hitting up. You know, you can hide from the wind and stuff, and you could target those tarpon. I saw a lot the other day, dude. I saw a lot of tarpon yeah. the other day. Um, I was just driving around, hitting some of those those local spots that I like to hit from time to time. And, man, it, we were just – it was covered in tarpon. I didn't even mess with them. I was just like, okay, mind check. Yep, you're here. <laughs> so, uh, cool. yeah, that's always a good time, man. Bring out the buggy whip and do that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's my plan if it's windy. Yeah, well, Andrew, what's what's up with you, brother? What are you, we, you've been kind of uh, running around fishing quite a bit. You're gonna take this week off, or are you fishing this weekend, or what? Well, we've we've actually got prom uh, this weekend, so I'm gonna be focusing on getting uh, getting my senior uh, done with his prom and getting him moving towards graduation. But uh, even in spite of the wind, um, some of our flats down here have just uh, filled up with. Um, uh, with the perfect size bait mullet, um, you know, these guys are probably six to eight inches long. And um, with that, uh, the snook have moved out onto the flat. I went twice uh, last week um, and uh, just following the, uh, the, the schools of uh, a mullet around on our flats here in Vero. And uh, we caught, I don't know how many fish, over 25 inches and got one over um, – 29 one right at 29 so the, the trout are there and the wind um you know the, uh the, a lot of the areas that i fish of course is affected by the wind but i just use that to um to set up my drift across these flats you know it's not quite as open as as a lagoon lagoon or even the no motor zone you know i got a little bit of protection from uh from the wind with the barrier islands and the um uh the spoil islands that we've got up and down um uh, indian river lagoon here so um, I, I can I can deal with the wind. It just allows me to um, you know to I'll drift a little bit, stake out, make some casts, drift a little more, stake out, make some casts. So um, uh, yeah, I'm going to be chasing some more big trout um, you know this week. So yeah, I've, cool. sort of, I've seen I've, I've seen some stuff on uh, this past week. I actually saw a few pictures of people um, catching these giant snook down there this week down in your area. I mean giant. I mean I saw Gene. Did you see Gene? Uh, oh, yeah, uh, Gene. Gene studs. Yeah, oh, that, that my was God. absolutely a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, it, it looked like it was 40 inches. That, that was a huge. <laughs> yeah. You guys are yeah. getting, I, you well, guys are getting some those perfect size mullet. You know, that, those perfect, you know, six to eight inch mullet are, are schooling up and staying in little pods and doing their little mullet thing. And then the bait is just, you know, schooling them up and just 
you know, just beating them to death. So, you know, it's just the predators are just having a, having a joy on the flats right now. It's, it's almost like the mullet run up and down the beaches, but, you know, it's, it's happening in the river down here right now. So let me ask you something, Drew. When you're fishing mullet down there for snook on the flats or up around, you know, your creek mouths or whatever, um, or in and around passes, how, how are you rigging? Like what, what setup are you running for, you know, to, to fish that live bait? What, what are you running as far as leader hook, that kind of thing? Well, you know, I, I try to I try to fish with artificial as much as possible, but sometimes it's just easier to fish with um, you know with a live bait. Or if I'm with somebody who's not that proficient with you know with uh, with an artificial, um, I, I use two different techniques. Um, in, in both in both ways, I'll use a uh, a circle hook. Um, I typically use a 20 pound fluorocarbon um, leader. I don't I don't really use anything bigger than that because typically on the flats or even up close to the mangroves and stuff you know, the biggest snook you're going to see is going to be 32, 36. You know, it's not going to be one of those giant things like, you know, like Gene caught. That's the exception, not the rule. So I'll use just a 20-pound fluorocarbon leader, and I'll either um, use an Albright to tie that directly to um, my, uh, my, my braid, or I'll use a, um, a popping cork, and a, a true popping cork, not a rattling cork, one of the ones that has the concave top that I can actually make it pop, pop, pop. Right. Uh, and you, one of those one of those techniques. It, most people see that popping cork on the end of a rod, and they think, "Oh, that guy's a tourist. He doesn't know what he's doing." Man, I couldn't tell you how many fish I catch on that popping cork. It absolutely is a fantastic attractant to bring fish to your your bait. Whether you're rigging it with a with a live bait like the live mullet, or if you're using, um, you know, even artificial bait. Um, you know, I, I'll I'll put a soft plastic underneath one of those things and just pop 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 it across the flat and. You know, it, it's amazing how many fish and and big fish. You know, I, I catch big fish, not just not just the schoolies. You know, I, I'll catch you know some twenty seven, twenty eight inch trout. Um, you know, and snook with that with that popping cork. So, those are really the two the two ways that I, you know using uh, or uh, using live bait, using live mullet. I'll, I'll rig that way. So. And you like to throw that rip and slash for uh, for your snook down there? I absolutely love that rip and slash. If I'm out on the flats, that, that's what I'm going to be tossing is the uh, is that is that rip and slash. It's the um, the 90 millimeter, which is the is the the big one, but not the super big one. And there's a handful of different colors. I, I like the white pearl and I like the gold, but they've got the mullet color and you know and that sort of stuff. But I that, it's I don't I don't fish with a um, with a spoon. I don't know how to work a spoon. So that rip and slashing gold, that's kind of like my spoon. Any any place that a gold spoon would work, that gold rip and slash works well for me. But if I'm going to be up around the mangroves, I'm going to, I'm going to be, you know, a little bit closer up around the, the structure and what have you. That's typically when I'm throwing a soft plastic, and I don't know why, but I, I just I have more success with a shrimp pattern um, rather than any kind of a minnow or jerk uh, jerk bait um, sort of a pattern specifically for snook around the uh, you know around the mangroves. I, I don't know what it is. I just it's confidence, I guess. But um, if I'm going to specifically target snook around the mangroves, it's uh, it's going to be some kind of a shrimp pattern. Nice. How about you, Peppy? If you were going to go out and try and target some snook, are you running about the same thing? Do you have a confidence bait and a hard bait that you would that you would throw, or uh, what, what's what's your go-to fired across the flats hope for a snook type bait? Um, you know, I've caught them. I've caught them with so many different things. I mean, I've caught them with uh, early morning top water. I've caught them with you know with a spook or something like that. I've caught them with that. Um, and also, I, I really haven't used the unfair lures like 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 Drew has and stuff. I, I have some, but I really haven't I haven't put any time into them. Um, 
so I really can't can't say with those. But um, bright, what's worked for me for snook is bright soft plastic. You know, I've used bright colors um, as far as targeting snook on the on the flats. I've used it. I've caught them on the slayers, on the slayers uh, ink lures, the the bright ones. Remember, I you know I have that that new that one that I, that he gave me. He gave me that STB that I got. That's a bright green color you know it's like almost like a glow i forgot the name of that one but he barely he doesn't even sell that stuff over here in this area and he gave me some of that and that's what i caught that 34 inch snook on right uh, and then it mutters on that. A, yeah yeah on that color you know even i mean I, it was one of those things i just put it on just say okay i'm fishing for snook in this area okay i know there's snook here let me try this color you know and it was one of those things i put that thing on and that thing worked you know and i was like you know it's but basically, that's what I you know I usually I use a lot of a lot of soft plastic stuff and and top waters what I mainly cut them cut my stuff on. Nice. Yeah, I mean whenever I fish for snook, which isn't very often, but when I when I travel down towards Sebastian, I, I, that's my favorite place to fish for them. Uh, I'm not doing it from a kayak most of the time. I'm doing it from the rocks down there at Sebastian Inlet. Um, you know, my favorite technique to catch snook is is throwing a bucktail jig. I mean, I just get a kick out of bouncing that thing across the rocks on the bottom and get feeling that thud and uh, being into it for a few minutes, you know, fighting tide, fighting everything else. Um, the snook that I have caught in the in the river, I'm like, you, Peppy, I've thrown either pearl white, you know, shad tails or uh, jerk baits. Um, the slayers, of course, have been working real well for me whenever I, I target those fish, especially in and around the motor zone or south of the Mosquito Lagoon. Um, but you know what? I, I'm always willing to throw a fly in an area where I know that there's snook. Um, in fact, there's a couple of spots that I have that are, are they're not landlocked. They're, they can slide in however they want to um, through culvert, through open water channels and stuff. But I've got some a few areas I can go to. Not not guarantee snook, but pretty close to guarantee snook on fly. Um, you know, when I used to work out in the port, there were some places that were within driving range that I could go to uh, on my lunch break and, and catch one or two on the fly. Um, they're, they're definitely cool fish, man. They got my respect. I love snook. I think they're one of the more exciting fish to catch on the flats or in and around passes and such. Um, you know, I've caught them around the bridges, too. I've caught them around the bridges mangrove snapper fishing. So the beauty of of where we're at right now with the bounce back of our local fishery is we have giant trout pretty much everywhere. We have more reds than we know what to do with and the snook are coming back. So those are all, uh, there's, uh, that's, that's, those are all good positive things, you know? Um, but going into our next species, I'd like to talk about because this is one that, we're going to probably focus quite a bit of time on in the next couple of weeks as far as on the show, because we're going to try and get out and do some of this out of the kayaks if the wind will ever let us, is mangrove snapper and triple tail. So what I want to talk about with mangrove snapper and triple tail is basically here locally on the Space Coast, you've got one area that you can go and you can have a very, very good chance of catching both, and that's inside Port Canaveral. Um, you know, if you guys have listened to the show for any length of time, for years now I've talked about how 
overlooked Port Canaveral is as far as a kayak fishery is concerned. Um, there's not a lot of guys that do it. Uh, the few guys that I know that do it on a regular basis are really, 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 uh, uh, really, really, really passionate about it and, and very successful. So here's a couple of things to think about when fishing in Port Canaveral. First and foremost, they, those guys out there operate by a different set of rules than everybody else. So <laughs> when I say that, that means just because the Coast Guard says you should have a whistle and a life jacket to be legal on the water and all you have to have is a torch device, whether it be a flashlight, headlamp, or something. Inside Port Canaveral, it was explained to me in depth by a number of different, uh, uh, I guess you'd just call them, authorities that a 360-degree light is mandatory for kayak fishing in Port Canaveral. You can argue the law, you can do whatever you want to do, but at the end of the day, when the men in the boats with the blue and red lights show up and they got guns drawn on you and they're talking to you and you're sitting there floating around a little plastic boat and they say you have to have a 360-degree light to be in Port Canaveral in a kayak at night, just say yes, sir, and go on your way back to the dock if you don't have one. <laughs> I'm telling you from experience that uh, I've, I've, we've been out there before fishing with a group of guys, local guys, and, you know, I had a 360-degree light. A couple other guys had a 360-degree light. And, you know, the ones that didn't were asked to remove themselves from Port Canaveral, and there's nothing really you can do about it. At the end of the day, it's a safety thing. It's not anything other than that. I mean, these guys in the patrol boat sometimes have to get up on plane and run across the port all hours of the night. And if they come up on you real quick and you didn't, you know, you didn't have time to react and see them and didn't show, shine a flashlight at them or whatever, and they run you over, then you know it is you're you're bad pretty much. So um, there you go. Secondly, Port Canaveral is not. Well, it is title-driven, but it's not title-driven in the sense of, like, say, Sebastian Inlet, because it has a lock. All right? So when you go to launch it at Port Canaveral, you, don't have, you, you, you have to worry about the tides in the sense of the lower the tide or the, 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 the tail end of the low tide is not the time to want to be launching a kayak on a boat ramp. I think everybody pretty much knows that, right? <laughs> that's just that's just not a good idea because that's when most of the uh, algae and, and, and such is exposed. The boat ramps are slick. It's just not a good thing. If you've got a kayak that's got a cart attached to it or you can hook a cart to, then you're in luck because the boat ramp at the back end of Port Canaveral, which is considered uh, Port's End Park, is, uh, has a, a nice floating dock with a ramp that goes down to it. And uh, you can get a kayak down that ramp. I've got the, I, I took my PA-14 up that little ramp and down the ramp and onto the floating dock, believe it or not, and launched it right off the floating dock. So if I can get a PA-14 down that thing, everyone can launch their kayak off it. So just be careful whenever you're loading and unloading your kayaks there at the ramps because it is kind of treacherous from time to time. Um, but once you're out there, once you're kind of pedaling around, if you don't have a bottom finder, if you're not, most of your fish are not going to be hanging out on any kind of, uh, uh, yeah, most of your fish aren't going to be hanging around any kind of structure. They're going to be, um, or a bottom structure, I should say. They're going to be more hanging tight to the 
seawalls and pilings and, and rock piles that are right along the shoreline there in the port. So your typical depth of water in Port Canaveral is anywhere from about 25 feet down to about 40 feet. Uh, most of where you're going to be fishing for mangrove snappers is going to be a bit shallower than that, maybe anywhere from three to, I'd say, 10 or 12 foot of water. So there's a couple of rules that you need to know. If you're, if you're contemplating going out and doing any fishing in Port Canaveral, I would suggest you pull out a notebook and jot down a few notes. First and foremost, you have to stay 25 feet off of every seawall and the shore the whole entire time you're in the port. Now, if you're in and around the marinas, it's kind of frowned upon to be in and around the marinas to fish. You can go into the cruise ship basin when the cruise ships are gone, and they, su- and they don't suggest they actually tell you. You need to stay 300 yards away from the cruise ships. Um, Monty is asking if there's a difference in day and nighttime. Nighttime fishing is much better, much more, uh, much more um, hot. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's much more productive. <laughs> there you go. Uh, sorry. Nighttime fishing in the port is way better than it is during the daytime. A lot less boat traffic. Um, mangrove snappers typically like to feed at night anyways, uh, as do snook. Uh, triple tail are real easy to catch in the port at night because all you have to do is look for dock lights. They tend to hang out around the dock lights, the shrimp boats, the uh, commercial fish houses, the big, the big uh, dock pilings, um, any of the buoys that are inside the port, you'll find them around there. They're harder to get at night around the buoys because you can't see them, and typically they can't see the bait as well. But in the lights, they're, they're pretty easy to catch. I've caught tons of triple tail inside Port Canaveral at night. Uh, I usually bring live shrimp with me for both species, mangrove snappers and uh, triple tail. And when the mangrove snapper bite is on in the port, you can't carry enough live bait in your kayak to stay out there all night. And when I say that, I used to do this in my, in my offshore boat. I had a 27-foot stamus, and we used to fill the live well full of shrimp. I'm talking like 12 dozen shrimp, 14 dozen shrimp. 20 dozen shrimp, literally. And we would go through every single shrimp by the end of the night. It doesn't matter what size shrimp. It makes absolutely no difference. Um, because that towards the end of the night, you end up ripping shrimp in half in pieces so you can stay out longer because you're running out of bait and all the bait shops are closed. But uh, so when you get out there to the port and uh, you launch and you, you, have, you set out and you start looking for your target species, if they're mangrove snappers, um, I usually don't mess around the drawbridge very often during the daytime. At nighttime, I'll go and I'll fish around the drawbridge quite a bit. There's some really nice mangrove snapper that hang around that drawbridge uh, along both sides of the bridge itself. The mm-hmm. north side of the drawbridge, closer to the bank, if you go underneath the bridge and don't go through the channel but go on the inside of the fenders, between the fenders and the shoreline, there's some submerged rocks there. So for any of you guys with... Uh, with Hobies or with the natives with the propel system, you might want to try and remember that so you don't damage your uh, your drive. But fishing along that inside area is really, really productive. Uh, you know, Drew was saying that uh, he likes to throw the popping cork. You know, that's a, that's, a, that's a thing that he loves to throw there for snook. 
The popping mm-hmm. cork in, in the port at night is awesome. I mean, it is probably one of my favorite ways to throw shrimp uh, for snook in the port. Uh, mangrove snappers, eh, sometimes they'll they'll bind themselves to your to your bait underneath the popping cork, but for the most part, uh, they just want it straight free lined or even with a small split shot. But uh, the drawbridge holds a lot of snook in the port, and every one of those snook will eat a shrimp if it passes by their head. They're, they're usually not too uh, not too picky. Um, but inside the cruise ship terminals, you know, it, mangrove snapper fishing is one of those things where you go, you hit, you hit a spot, you fish it for a few minutes. If you're not getting the bites that you want, you pick up, you move on down the docks, maybe another 10, 15 yards, and, and just keep flipping, keep flipping, keep flipping, and uh, keep sliding down until you find them. Mangrove snappers are not, are not solitary creatures by any stretch of imagination. They like to school up. You can chum if you want to in the port for mangrove snappers. It does work. Um, if, you, if you're out there early and your, the sun's still up and you see some thread fins or pilchards and you want to do the Christmas tree in your cast net ordeal and deal with that, um, it's probably not a bad idea. I usually take a pair of scissors with me too, and uh, I'll cut those little pilchards and thread fins in half or in quarters, depending upon how big they are, and chum the water up with them and to catch your limit of mangrove snappers in the port is really pretty easy um, this time of year when they show up. Uh, most of the fish you're going to catch are going to be in that pound to three pound range. Uh, every now and again, you'll, you'll hook one that you might not be quite prepared for and he owns you. Um, but you can find them in, uh, you can find them in that, you know, uh, one to three pound range pretty readily. In fact, most of the time, if I'm on a really hot bite, I just, I bail them until I catch a stud, then I keep that one or whatever. Um, Andrew's, Ma- Andrew's asking a question here. Uh, 20 pound fluoro with a two, uh, with a size two live bait hook. No, I actually like a, a, a one or one Oh, maybe even a two Oh, depending upon the size of shrimp. Um, that I'm using if, if the if the bait shop's got medium sized shrimp, you know I'll, I'll typically get a few dozen of them and then the rest just regulars. Um, Twenty pound fluoro, it's not really necessary for the for the uh, mangroves because again you're fishing at night, so they're not going to see you know that that fluorocarbon leader. Um, I usually just use like anywhere between twelve and fifteen pound mono leader for the for the mangroves. Um, they're, they're usually not out in the light. So, you know, where you're fishing is dark, like I say, so typically it doesn't really make a difference. Um, I always fish for, for snappers, no matter what species, no matter how I'm fishing for them, if it's inshore or offshore, regardless, I always fish for snappers with the bail open. Um, that's, that, to me, it's one of those things that it just works. You, you flip a shrimp out. If he has a split shut on it, whatever, as soon as you feel that thud, the fish always wants to run because he's surrounded by about a hundred of his buddies and he wants to get away from them so he can eat his, he can eat his meal. If you're quick on this, on the hook set, a lot of times you'll just pull the bait right out of his face, which isn't a bad problem to have because there's normally one right behind it that's willing to eat it. But, you know, fish the, fish the uh, reel out of gear or the, or the bale open, depending upon what style of fishing you like to do, whether it's a casting reel or a spinning reel. And, uh, just, you know, keep your fingers on the line when you feel them kind of take off and you give them a few seconds, cool, then you let them have it. Um, while you're fishing in the port for mangroves, 
keep your eyes peeled around the lights for those triple tail. A lot of times they look like a piece of trash floating on the surface. If you've never caught one before, uh, they lay, they can lay flat on their sides and just kind of float along the top of the water to make themselves look like a piece of trash so nothing messes with them. Um, other times there's, they're laying next to the snook and the dock lights. So just keep your eyes peeled for shadows in the water. Uh, a well-placed cast with a live shrimp um, near and around a triple tail and a dock light is going to result in a catch. It's not going to, I mean, or at least a hookup. There's, they're, they, they're too stupid to be able to turn down a shrimp. I mean, they just, that's just their thing. So, but you know, it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun fishing that back area, the, the cruise ship terminals, the, the, um, the drawbridge, even in back towards the, uh, towards the locks a little bit can be uh, quite exciting at night. And then, as you head out towards the, not really towards the mouth of the port, because I wouldn't do that at night unless you had a really calm night. Um, but the second basin, which is the turning basin, is what most folks call it. Um, there's a couple of docks back up in there that hold fish pretty well. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. It's good to get out there during the day, kind of get your feeling, your feelers about you, see where you're at, and kind of understand the lay of the land, and then uh, go back out there at night and, and just lay waste to them anywhere you find rocks so that whole northern shoreline of the of the port has tons of uh has tons of um what you call it rocks that are piling down into the water you'll find snapper species in there uh, uh you're asking does alex offer charter trips just for the port yeah he'll do trips in the port absolutely um and he also does uh triple tail trips and tarpon trips and shark trips and all kinds of trips outside of the port um, as well. And so we'll get into that here in just a second about fishing outside the port. But, um, you know, I, I really try and promote the port fishery, even though it's like kind of like my little hidden secret of sorts. Um, it's so overlooked by us. I mean, it's one of those, it's like the last place most people think about taking a kayak to go fish. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to work out there in the port for a number of years. Now I don't, but, you know, I did. I worked out there in the port for a lot of years, and I, I know what swims in those in that area in there. And, man, it could be really good. I Actually, this will trip you out. I caught five different species of snapper on in one day on the kayak in Port Canaveral. I caught muttons. I caught lanes. I caught uh, mangroves. I caught... Um, dog snapper and uh and schoolmaster believe it or not so you know all of those species will come into the port and they're most of them are small you can get some decent sized muttons inside the port you can get some keepers but a lot of times what happens when you hook a mutton you're fishing mangrove gear and you're not prepared for it so you know you, you usually get rocked up or broke off but any of you guys have any questions peppy or andrew or anybody no just you're talking about the port and stuff like that one thing we need to we need to do one day is, you know, get that access to get into. Um, of course, can't do it off the kayak, but we need to go try that. The side and the, and the Trident Basin inside, inside the Cape. Oh yeah, I mean the Trident Basin right now yeah. is, on, is on fire. Yep, it's on fire. Yeah, it's been great, man. I've talked to a lot of guys that have badges and been fishing it, and they've been doing really, really good in there. Um, figure eight and snook. In fact, you should do that. You should take Andrew in there sometime. I'll let Andrew figure eight for some snook with a surf rod. <laughs> it's like, have you ever done that, Andrew? Have you ever figure eighted for snook? No, I never have. I never have. You literally stand on the dock, 
with, and most guys use the surf rod because it's so you're so high up off the water. You stand on the dock with like 50 pound braid and like 60 pound either flora or mono leader, just because you have to swing these fish. It's, it's not a yep. you're going to reach over the side and grab them by the lip. It just doesn't happen. But you, you take a like a like a bomber long A or something like that, or even a wind cheater. And just literally drop it just below. Like you, you're only going to have maybe four or five feet of line out, and you just figure eight like crazy on the surface of the water. You you hold the rod vertical, right? And you uh, you just figure eight as fast and as hard as you can. And you would think it would scare them. It doesn't. It aggravates them, and they and they crush a plug like no one's business. That's crazy. Yep. Doesn't even, that doesn't even sound I, fair. I've, I've talked to some of the guys that do it, and that's what they tell me. They aggravate the fish is what they do. They get the fish so mad that the fish actually hammers it is what happens. <laughs> yeah. We do it, in the, we do it in, the, uh, in the marinas in the port quite a bit. Like if we go out fishing and we've had a long day fishing, whatever, we're cleaning up fish or we're cleaning up the boat, we get back, whatever, and we're just kind of hanging around shooting the crap, drinking a beer, you walk over and you look over the side and you see – you know, a wad of snooks, they may be 20 snook laid up underneath the dock. You go grab like a, basically a cobia rod and a wind cheater and, and start figure eighting. And it's sporty still because when they eat it, you still got to land the thing. But, uh, but, but when you're doing it in the basins, most of the time it's boom, they ate it. You're palming the spool and you're trying to get them up onto the, onto the dock as quick as you can. Cause if they go down, then you're pretty much done. But uh, it's 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 exciting. I mean, it is. It's it's crazy exciting, especially to watch him smack that plug. But uh, so yeah, so heading out towards the uh, towards the mouth of the port now. Uh, you can fish both sides. Again, you just got to stay that that uh, 25 feet off of each side. You can't get right up on the rocks. You got to stay 25 feet off. Um, just pretty much do, if you're in a 14 foot kayak, just do two kayak lengths and call it good or 12, you know, do two kayak lengths and call it good. Um, most of the guys who patrol the area out there know that we're in kayaks. Things happen. If you hook a decent fish, you're going to get towed. Um, I got a funny story. I was fishing inside the uh, cruise ship basin. This is something about, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago and, uh, hooked a really nice mangrove snapper. And he pulled me right up underneath the docks in the cruise ship basin. I was like underneath the, the actual dock itself. And I looked over my shoulder and the Coast Guard cutter sitting, not the cutter, but the smaller Coast Guard boat sitting there. And the guys are just sitting there shaking their head like he, he's gone. He just disappeared. He's up underneath there or whatever. So I finally backpedal my way out and uh, back paddle my way out. And um, I was like, I'm sorry. I'm yelling at him, sorry. And they're like, no, it's cool, man. We saw you get owned. I'm like, all right, cool. And they go, did you land it? I said, sure did. They're like, all right, cool. Yeah, just be careful. All right, buddy, no problem. They leave. You know, no big deal. But uh, port fishing, like I say, can be absolutely incredible. Uh, out towards the mouth of the port during the daytime, uh, if you get to get out there someday during the week where there's not quite so much boat traffic, um, if you launch over at the old grills ramp when it's open, uh, you can make your way out there that way, or if you put in at, at the beach uh, at Jetty Park, uh, make your way over towards those buoys, the buoy line running out of Port Canaveral. The cool thing about the buoy line that runs out of Port Canaveral is it holds 
at any time a number of different species that you typically will not find off our beaches anywhere else. And the reason why is it's the only structure on the surface and on the bottom that runs outside of Port Canaveral or along our beaches that's always there. So if you have some desire to hook a big Goliath grouper from your kayak, which I'm not condoning, but if you said you wanted to do it, every buoy outside of Port Canaveral is loaded with giant Goliaths, every single one. And, uh, a, you know, a, a, a Jack Crevel sent down to the bottom with a decent-sized lead on it will, will get you a bite from one of them. I don't know what in the world you'd ever do with it if you should hook one, <laughs> because these are not, you know, pups. These are not 30- and 40-pound fish. These are 150- to 300-pound fish. So, you know, just keep that in mind. Also keep that in mind if you're fishing the buoys for triple tail. If you're fishing the buoys for triple tail and you go out there with a pea shooter and you don't go out there with the right equipment and you hook, say, a 15 or 20-pound triple tail and he goes down for the bottom and wraps you around the chain, you're going to feel one hard thump and that's him being devoured by a Goliath. So, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, one of the things that... Uh, one of the things that we like to do, Alex, Alex Grishke just texted me and he, and he said triple tail eater. See how they are. If uh, one of the things I like to do with triple tail when I hook them or when I feel that bite is lead them away from the buoy like a dog on a leash. If he eats that shrimp, as long as you don't rip his face off and bury the hook in his head, if you just let him eat that shrimp and swallow it down, because you're not going to, typically you're not going to catch a triple tail. It's not going to be a keeper out of the port. Most of them are going to be in that, you know, anywhere from five to 10 pound range, but you're going to get plenty of them over that. And of course that occasional 30 pounder as well. So I like to boom. I feel that bite just fingertip line tension, right? Just barely pulling on that fish and move away from the can and kind of drag them with you. When you, you start to feel a little bit more resistance, like he's thinking about turning back for the buoy at that point, rip his head off and turn and try and turn him. But you got to get them away from the cans. Um, there's a lot of grass out there, from what I've been told. Alex told me today there's, there's been house-sized sheets of uh, sargasm weed that have been blowing up onto uh, the beaches. So uh, there should be plenty of triple tail out there right now to get your hands on. Um, again, they'll eat shrimp. They'll eat mullet. They'll eat pilchards. You know, they'll eat a bucktail jig tip with a shrimp. They'll eat a fly. They'll eat uh, – I've had them chase topwater plugs before. I've never had – I never actually caught one on topwater, but I've had them chase topwater plugs before. They'll eat artificial shrimp. They'll eat shad tails. They're not very picky. I mean, if it moves and it looks like it needs to get eaten, they'll eat it. And they're just like a – they are in a lot of ways just like a snook where you can aggravate them to the point to where they'll finally eat. Um, and then there's days you go out there and you'll get refuse, refuse, refuse. So, you know, but uh, along with the triple tail, of course, anytime you find them, there's always a possibility for cobia uh, on, on and around the buoys. Um, there's always big barracudas around the buoys. There's always kingfish in the channel. Um, there's some snapper species from time to time that you'll catch on the buoys while you're, uh, you're fishing for the triple tail. And then flounder. Um, some of the biggest flounder that are caught all year in and around the port are caught along the buoys. Again, it's going to be one of those races to get the thing to the top before a goliath eats it. But if you, uh, if you fish a, a finger mullet, down on the bottom on a jig head, say a one-ounce jig head, or if you run it on a short fish finder rig, maybe eight inches worth of leader. Uh, typically, I'll drop for flounder, a uh, 20-pound leader. Um, I like a kale-style hook, the best for flounder. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
So uh, there you go. That's 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 what I would do as far as that's concerned uh, on the flounder. But um, and then of, of course, if you get a day to fish the North Jetty, it's uh, it's good, man. The North Jetty's really really productive. There's a beach area that kind of runs out towards the North Jetty. Um, you can sit there. You can catch smoke. You can catch mangroves. You can catch small grouper. Um, any number of uh, different species around that jetty as well. So definitely a place to take a look at and something to think about next time you're trying to do something a little bit different. If you get tired of fishing the flat, you want to move and go fish something a little bit different. Like I say, try the port out, man. It's a lot of fun. So I know that was a lot of information. Sorry. I get excited about talking about the port. Well, you get out a lot of information. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's what it's one of those places man you know it's it's just like if you fish well it's just like when we went down south like down to flamingo i didn't know nothing about flamingo i relied on you for all the information because you fished it so you know when you go to fish the port if you've never fished the port before you know it, it's pretty easy to have a slow first trip you know because if you just don't know what you're doing you don't really know where to look for fish it's it can be kind of frustrating but uh you know, one of my favorite stretches of, of, of waterway to fish, especially with jigs bouncing on the bottom for flounder or with, uh, like, even shrimp just on a jig head um, bouncing along the bottom, is that beach area by the, uh, by the parking lot, by the parking garage for the cruise ships. Um, I work that beach out to the east towards the rocks that, that line the shoreline that go into the, into the uh, cruise terminal basin. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, I've caught plenty of reds there. I've caught uh, Spanish mackerel, bluefish, snook, black drum, um, all kinds of man- uh, snapper species, baby goliaths, baby black bellies or grays. Um, you know, the biggest pinfish you've ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> Big Jack Cravels. I mean, it's, just, it, it's, it's a great, it really is a really cool place to fish. There's big sheephead in there too, uh, spade fish. Uh, what else have I caught in there? All kinds of stuff, man. But it's uh, it's it's really neat. It's a, it's a cool place to fish. So give it a shot sometime. Maybe Andrew, maybe mm-hmm. one day you'll come up here and fish with us there in the port. Yeah, I'd like to do that. I, I'm actually looking at it on um, Google Maps right now, trying to follow along some of the locations that you're that you're talking about. You basically have three basins: the west, the middle and the east basin and the west basin that's really that's the cruise ship area is that is that west basin is that right yep yep that's the cruise ship basin and then the one all the way out to the east you can't go in that's the uh that's the sub the nuclear sub basin you can't go okay. into that basin uh yeah, I, from I, the I kayakers. On, on google maps i can see the um the chain or the the, the fence or whatever across that uh the opening right. of it there, so I see that now. Okay, I got you. I got you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And but what's cool is uh, if you if you stay on that basin there on Google Maps, if you look at the uh, if you look at the south, well, is it south? Well, it is south. Whatever. If you look at the um, the west side, the west opening of that basin, at the end where that there's like a sign there, you might be able to still see uh, on the uh, on the image, there's a, a rock pile that kind of comes along and kind of turns into the basin there. There's some big rocks that have rolled down over time and kind of set up somewhat of a reef 
right below that edge, right below that corner. And man, I've caught some really nice mutton snappers right there. Really nice muttons there. In fact, I lost the biggest mutton of my life right there on a shrimp. I mean, I saw it eat it. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. A solid, like, 15-pound mutton in the port. So uh, I was just not prepared to handle that at all. I mean, I was fishing 15-pound braid and a 20-pound leader on a, you know, a redfish rod. And that mm. fish just owned, owned me. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, like I say, it's a really cool place to fish, man. It's just it's one of those things. And then another spot, too. If you guys are looking at Google Earth, if you go across on the south side of the port, um, right at the end of Jetty Park, where it go, where you know, on the inside, so the southwest end of Jetty Park, you'll see the rocks will come down along the shoreline, and then they'll make a turn to the south, and then there's a seawall there, and there's a big dock right there next to it. That little corner right there is deep. It goes from like maybe two feet, three feet of water at the rocks drops straight down to like 20 foot of water. And that place right there holds some serious flounder, um, really nice mangroves. Uh, I've caught some, some decent sized groupers out of there, never a keeper, but some, some fun, you know, scrappy sized ones. And, uh, there's usually a triple tail or two that hang in and around that area too, because it is so close to the mouth of the port. Um, my absolute favorite place to fish on that east end of the port is uh, out there towards the buoy uh, that's out by the north jetty. There's a green, I think it's a green can that's right there by the north jetty. And uh, between the tip of the north jetty and that green can or whatever can it is, there's one that's like literally just south of it. Um, there's a pretty good little hump that comes up on the bottom. And that's just from the tide is kind of, you know, washed a little bit of a, a ledge, so to speak, right there. And uh, it's been, I mean, that's a great place to go and check out too. I mean, I'm telling you, there's, that's one of those spots that if, if it's calm enough, I'll anchor there. And I've caught limits of flounder fishing right there. Not, not a fish that needed to be measured on a board. I mean, you can tell they're all keepers anywhere from say, you know, 16 inches all the way up to 25, 26 inch fish. Um, one after another after another on shrimp on a white jig head, you know, just a medium sized shrimp run through the head. It doesn't matter if you kill them or not, drop them down on a white jig head right there. And what'll happen too is, is at the same spot, you'll get big breeder reds that'll kind of come and go throughout the day and you'll pick one up there too. So, um, you know, again, there's a lot of fun stuff to catch right there in and around the port, but there you go. Yeah, you've Fish got all sort, of, all sort of things going on with that fishery. I mean, you've got everything from the deep water. You've got these points. You've got water that actually does flush, I guess, you know, in and out, um, you know, some, some tide, wind-driven, whatever. So you've got moving water. You've got, you know, jetties. You've got sand beach. You've got the ends of the jetties. You've got the drop-off like you're talking about, and you can actually see that, I, I mm-hmm. think, on, on Google Earth. I think I can actually see that drop-off you were just talking about, so... Man, yeah, this is um, this is everything that uh, that Florida has to offer in one you know one square mile here. This is a lot of great stuff. It, it really is, and what's really cool about it too, like I said with the with the kingfish, because um, I mean let's be honest, there's really nothing to catch off our beaches that excites me at all besides maybe maybe big tarpon, um, the triple tail do, but I'm, I'm talking more pelagic type species, um, the kingfish. They're there almost all year round in and around the buoys and stuff. And so if you're out there and you're fishing the North Jetty and you just so happen to bring 
either a stretch 25 or just a larger lip plug or have some extra live baits or whatever, uh, and it's calm enough, you can just literally just go less than a half a mile off the beach and you can be catching big kingfish right after you got done getting a limit of flounder and mangrove snappers and other species as well. So, and then now the bite is back open again. If you can, um, if you go out of the port and hang a left and go up into the Canaveral bite area, um, if you want to get a little bit adventurous and head up there towards the, the tip of the Cape up by where the, uh, the um, lighthouse is, you want to talk about snook fishing for anybody who has never caught a giant snook and you want to do it from a kayak and you want to do it in the ocean, you go, you get yourself some, a couple of croakers or some mullet and you paddle or pedal your way up there. It's a little bit of a trip, but you make it, you make your way up there. You hurl that live bait all the way into the sands. You want that bait to hit the beach and just drag it right off the beach and just let it sit in that trough. And if they're there, it's not going to last long. Um, the only problem right now is the bait's moving along the beach and there's some giant sharks that are cruising in and around that same area. So you may end up running into some big sharks that are, that are in that area, um, as opposed to the snook, but either way, there's always something to be caught up there at the, at the Northern point. Um, so it's a lot of fun. And then as you're coming back from the Northern point, if you go straight South off the tip of the Cape and don't, don't follow the beach edge. Just go straight south, take that down to the buoy line, and then go back into the port. You have another good chance of running across the triple tail or a cobia because they like that, they like that Canaveral bite area. And for those, of you, for those of you that don't know, Port Canaveral is home to, I think, all but one IGFA record for triple tail. Um, we have the largest triple tail at Port Canaveral in the entire world with the exception of one fish, I think that was caught in South Africa. But, uh, the last time I checked anyway, those records may have been broken, but catching 20, 25 pound, 30 pound triple tails, not that uncommon out of the port. So, um, and talk about one of the tastiest fish I think that I've ever had is a triple tail. One thing to worry about with them, if you have never caught one, their gill plates are much like a snooks. They will, Filet you open. <laughs> so uh, be very careful when you're dealing with them. Bring a landing net with you. Uh, I don't really recommend trying to gaff them. Um, I've gaffed plenty of them, but uh, it's definitely not a fish that uh, their scales are not very conducive to, to gaffing. Uh, it's much better just to net them. Um, but, yeah, there you go. There, there's Port Canaveral kind of in a nutshell, you know. I'm going to end up doing, I think, probably next month, I may do a Port Canaveral seminar at the port at the shop and invite some other folks, Alex and some other guys out to, to talk uh, about that as well, because it is such a great fishery and, and we really do need to kind of promote it and get some more guys out there and having a good time out there. It's, you know, it's one of the few places along the space coast where you can go in a kayak and catch legitimate 30, 35 and 40 inch snook and then go target all those other species. And as Andrew said, it's got pretty much the best of everything that has, that's to be offered for Florida fishing from a kayak. So, you know, check it out. There you go. But that's it, man. It's 916. We're losing a few people there in the chat room, and uh, I'm running out of breath and running out of things to talk about. So, uh, you know, um, and, oh, hold on. Murdoch asked if, uh, if it's a spring and summer thing or year-round. It's a year-round fishery. Um, 
there's something to be caught in Port Canaveral all year. Uh, flounder get better in the, in the wintertime. The bigger ones tend to slide in a little bit closer. The same with down at Sebastian. So if you're looking for the big doormats, the uh, 5 to 12, 13, 14, 15-pound fish, um, you, you typically, like Thanksgiving till January, February, you'll find those big ones uh, inside the port. You'll still find them around the buoys, but um, we have three-spot flounder or gulf flounder that are there all year round. So, you know, you can get flounder all year round inside the port. The, the snapper is best in the spring and in the summer. Um, they come in, they do their thing, they breed in the wintertime, they'll push, the big ones will push in, they'll breed, then they start make their migration offshore. And uh, what we typically catch in, in the port are fish that are coming out of the river. So uh, if you're ever fishing around the, the locks, or if you're ever hanging around the locks, every now and again you'll see a big water mangrove snapper shoot through the locks and they open it up and they're just making a migration towards the offshore ground. So that's why I say, you may drop a shrimp. You might catch a one-pounder. You might drop a shrimp and catch a ten-pounder. You never know. That's the, that's the beauty of the port. So that's that. That's all I got. Peppy, you want to do your thing? Andrew, well, actually, Andrew, go ahead and do your thing, man. Uh, if you want to thank some sponsors and such, and then, uh, you know, we'll get out of here. I do want to – I just want to say one thing. Um, I, I want to um, remind everybody who's uh, who's in the chat room and who's, and who's listening um, – Wear your PFDs. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing a, um, a new promotion now. Um, no PFD, um, no, no publicity. So um, if you don't have a PFD on, then I'm not going to take a picture of you. I'm not going to post a picture of you. There's a lot of us um, that are becoming stewards of the sport now, and we really need to um, ensure that those that uh, are new to the sport or, or who, who, have, who have been around and are just not doing it um, – need to wear those PFDs all the time. It, it's not that, not that big a deal to wear one. So, um, uh, no PFD, no publicity. I, I don't want to, I don't want to see pictures of anybody with fish and not have their PFD on you guys. Uh, you owe it to, um, to all the new guys out there to make sure that they know that it's okay to wear your, your PFD. Absolutely. Good, good point. And, uh, listen, even though it's hot, it's the summertime, you, you might not want to wear your PFD. Go find a uh, inflatable style. I wear the Hobie, of course, just because of the of brand recognition. But um, the Hobie inflatable PFD is extremely comfortable. I know Peppy wears a uh, fanny pack style PFD 24/7. I, I, in fact, I got laughed at a few times because I've got pictures of me holding tarpon where I jumped out of my boat and didn't even take my PFD off. I'm standing there in the water holding tarpon. So, uh, you know, just definitely wear your PFD for sure. Sounds good. Go ahead, go ahead Andrew. There? If you want to thank uh, Andrew, you still there? No, that's it. That's all I got. That's that's my um, my uh, uh, infomercial for the night, right there. Okay, cool. Happy. Uh, you want to thank your sponsors, brother? Yeah, man. Um, real quick, I want to thank uh, Native Watercraft Aquabound uh, Paddles, um, Slaring Lures, Power Pole, Hook One, Yak Attack. Harry Goods, KBB Outfitters, Kayaks by Bo, uh, Sea Deck, and Tailing Toes. I'm sure forgetting a, I'm forgetting a couple, but you know what can I do? <laughs> One of those things. Thank you all. Yeah, and and also too, uh, I want to thank real quick um, Captain Alex Gritsky from Local Line Charters for taking me out today. Let me play around for a few hours there in the morning. 
Uh, I'm going to start up a program there at the shop. Andrew Mixon's one of those who's going to be involved um, with this program. I'm going to start endorsing guides through the shop. Getting busy enough now to where I think I'm going to be able to start spreading the love and getting people some bookings. I just did one for uh, for Brian down south there, Brian Nelly, the other day. Um, the guy came in, wanted to go fishing offshore with a kayak guide offshore and uh, fish that South Florida area. I told him Brian's a good dude, you know, whatever. So I called him, made the connection. Boom, he's got a trip. If you guys have any questions about who, if you're coming into town, going to Orlando with a family and want to go out and spend some uh, some time on our local waters with local guides and who know what they're doing and will put you or do their best to put you on fish, uh, feel free to contact me over at the shop at KBB Outfitters or find me on Facebook, either KBB Outfitters or Redfish Chuck. Um, be more than happy to give endorsements to the guys who, who I personally would pay money to go fish with. And uh, Drew's one of those and Alex is one of those. And, you know, I've got a, I've got a hand, Brian, of course, is another one of those. I've got a handful of guys that, again, I personally wouldn't mind handing money over to these dudes to show me what they know because they're wells, they're, they're wealths of information. They've been doing it for years. I mean, and it, at the end of the day, you're fishing with some of the best guys in the industry and learning from them hands-on on the water. So um, definitely take, take some advantage of that. But uh, I want to thank RCI Optics, Tackle Webs. Hobie Kayaks, Real Adrenaline Energy Drinks, Ego Nets, ENO, Adventurous Custom Rods, uh, Yak Gear, Gear Railblazer, Power Pole, Slayer Inc., Bedding Branches Paddles, and Tova Cameras and Sea Deck. And, of course, going back to the Adventurous Custom Rods, if you guys have not tried the microwave system of guides yet on rods, if you have not got out and casted those against the standard set of guides, feel free to shoot me a message as well on that. Be more than happy to set you up with what they call the uh, the microwave challenge. Um, I've I've personally switched over now. All the rods I fish with now have microwave guides on them. Uh, Derwood Roberts from Adventurous Custom Rods is now building shop rods for me for the store. Um, I designed a six foot eight rod to uh, be basically my shad tail rod, my SST rod, uh, six to twelve pound class. Um, great. Great, great, great rod. Super lightweight, plenty of backbone. Um, it's just a phenomenal rod. So we've got the exact same rod at the shop uh, and then a couple of others that he's designing as well. And the beauty of having somebody like that involved in the store is he's a custom rod builder. So at the end of the day, if you, if you don't personally like the microwave guides and you want something like Justin Ritchie the other day said he wanted a, a 7.2 with K guides on it. Seven foot two medium action with K guides on it, no problem. You can build it; it's not a big deal. So, um, trying to be a full service shop there at KBB Outfitters. And again, thank you guys so much for all the support there at the shop. Thank you guys so much for all the support here on the show. I know Peppy appreciates it. I appreciate it. Um, Drew, thanks so much, man, for calling. Um, congratulations again on on two big wins there, the uh, the cup, and then of course the slam. Um, I know you guys are going to enjoy your time down there in Costa Rica. Alex, I see you're sitting there on hold, dude. I don't know what was up with your phone earlier. Much love, brother. If you guys are in the Space Coast area, give Captain Alex over at Local Lines a call. If you're down south, give uh, Andrew Mixon a call. He's doing, he's running his charters down there. Well, go ahead and plug your uh, information for that, Andrew. Uh, you can find me at uh, kayakfishingvero.com. Real easy to remember, kayakfishingvero.com. 
fantastic. And with that being said, folks, as, as Andrew said, t- uh, wear your PFDs. And then, of course, as always, take a kid fishing to the future of our sport. Get them involved in it. Get them off the video games. Memories aren't made by playing video games. They're made out there in the water and out there in the woods. And uh, that will keep your kids out of trouble. So uh, with that being said, God bless. Hope everybody has a good week. Uh, again, hit us up on Facebook. If you have any comments, questions, concerns about the show, we're going to leave you guys now with the Yak Angler Spot. See ya. Looking for a group of kayak anglers to share your kayak fishing adventures with? Check out yakangler.com, your ultimate fishing resource. If you are looking for rigging solutions for your kayak, canoe, or paddleboard, from a pad eye to an anchor trolley, or even lighting up your kayak at night or pre-dawn, Yak Gear and Railblazer are the answer. Visit us at yak-gear.com or visit your local kayak shop. Ask for Yak Gear and Railblazer products.